Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 293 with a review of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And for joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, the, you know, the long-awaited, much-anticipated by almost no one except for me, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I was going to say, was this much-anticipated? I don't think so. I, no, what's funny is I think like a year ago, it was much-anticipated. And somewhere in between, like, everyone decided, oh, this isn't going to be good. After they saw saw the first movie, they were like, no. Yeah, I was going to say, well, no, I I think it was after the first trailer for Spider-Man 2 came out. That's when everybody was like, oh, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was at, uh, I I was at SIGGRAPH shortly after the first Spider-Man came out, and people were, like, pretty excited to go to the, they talk about, like, the special effects that they do, Mm. and they were giving a few previews of what would be in the second movie, and people were pretty into it. Like, it felt like people were very excited about this movie. Yeah. Until a trailer came out, and a few, like, early reviews started pouring in. And And then no one was excited except Chris. And, 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 and like, (laughs) even for me, though, as excited as I was, because I I generally really loved the first Amazing Spider-Man reboot, um, or, sorry, the, you know, the second reboot, I don't know what it is, Uh, but the, the last movie that we saw in this version of the series, I, I, I love that movie. And even though there's, you know, had some problems with uh, the way the film kind of goes in, you know, third act and a lot of the craziness there, I still genuinely loved it. And when the trailer for this new one came out, I, I wouldn't say my excitement was gone. It was just that I was very wary and kind of scared that, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be the last film. It was going to be something different. And... Uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess you know. Shortly, we will find out whether or not that was the case. I was mm. excited that it was gonna potentially be a hot mess. Yeah, but uh, you always get it. well. You know what's funny is you get excited for things to be a hot mess, but then once they're a hot mess, you like just get very angry. Yeah, you act like, why mess. did they waste my time? No, no. And if it, if it truly is a hot mess, then uh, I'll I'll probably enjoy it. But uh, like I'm talking about like a Batman and Robin style gotcha. mess. Like we're you, just you like some like Spider-Man nipples in and like who suit. made these choices? <laughs> like who made these decisions? Yes. Usually it ends up like falling somewhere in the middle of like good and messy. Yeah, like if they pushed it more towards the mess, it would have yeah. would have been you would have enjoyed being... it more. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, as excited, as non-excited as you guys were to go into the movie, are you guys excited to get into this review? I can't wait. Yeah, I I actually feel like we might have an argument here. (laughs) I'm 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 ready to plug my Ethernet cable into my uh, Sony Vio. Uh, I've been standing in the mirror practicing arguing with both of you guys. (laughs) I'm uh, electromagnetically charging my webs as we speak. Have you been, been, like, down down in your uh, Wolverine pool? I'm like trying to think of, a, of your villain name. I'm Electro. <laughs> <laughs> I was donning my weird German scientist costume. And, Dude, I, uh, <laughs> wasn't that hilarious how he was just like, oh, let's just make him be Dr. Kafka. Like, why not? <laughs> He's like, hell all. Yeah, I supposed to be doing experiments on you. It's like... It was, the, the last experiment turned into a giant beetle. It was, it was like, like Dr. Reference. Dr. Kafka, by the way, of Dr. Strangelove. All right, so what do you guys say we get into this episode? Yep. All right. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and then come back and let you know what we thought. 
You know what it is I love about being Spider-Man? Everything. Peter Parker. There he is, boy. It's been 10 years. What have you been up to? I do some web design. Yet you under surveillance. Why? Isn't that the question of the day? Nothing is what I thought it was. I once told you that secrets have a cost. The truth does too. My name is Richard Parker. I have discovered what Oscorp was going to use my research for. What is all this? The future. We have plans for you, Peter Parker. You wanted to be the hero. Need a hand? Now you gotta pay the price. We have the power now. We can change the world. Then let's go catch a spider. I made a choice. This is my path. bigger than you, Peter. I'm the only one who can stop them. I'm Spider-Man. I love you. Don't hate me. Peter! All right, so that was the trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, you know, this picks up the story uh, that we watched in the last film that I enjoyed, that uh, maybe not everybody enjoyed. But basically we have um, the leader of Obscorp, has you know died and his son has taken over the company and you know i, I don't know how much how much is it, i don't know what is considered a spoiler in this <laughs> i don't know either because they've spoiled I, a lot of things i i feel like people knew all of the major plot points going into it but yeah i guess you can still be careful okay well, well i mean you should keep it off books yeah, I'll keep it off books in special projects. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, anyways, yeah. What does off books mean, by the way, if he can go in a database and see video and, and look and easily <laughs> well, access it? It. It, it, was, it was books that were off the normal server and only in that little cube thing that he has on his desk. It was that, in the do, secret do, server. Do they still use like physical books, and that's the one thing they didn't use to record this? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's all books. Okay, it's just so. in the database that you log into. It was. Uh, she used. Uh, uh, he used a clean slate to uh, access it. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh god. That's a clean <laughs> All right. Anyways, let me let me try to do this again. So basically, Norman Osborn has died. 
Harry Osborn has taken over the company. Uh, but in that process, he realized that, oh, he might be dying soon, too, because he has some really bad genetic thing. And uh, he thinks maybe one of his dad's experiments might allow him to, you know, prolong his life, because that's apparently what Norman Osborn had been doing for a while. So he gets in his head that, you know, maybe Spider-Man's blood is the key to doing this. So he wants to have Peter find Spider-Man and help him out get the blood. That might not work out so much for him, and he might get really pissed and, you know, turn evil or something. Meanwhile, we have this, like, geeky dude who, uh, you know, he works for uh, Oscorp, and he is really into electricity and power and not being socially, you know, good <laughs> at anything. Was he supposed to have autism, by He's the way? a little unhinged. I, okay. he, he has something. But anyway, so he, uh, <laughs> in, in a, you know, crazy electrical accident, something happens to him, and he may become evil also. And, uh, you know, Harry and the new evil uh, electromagnetic dude may team up to pose a threat to Spider-Man. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is trying to bounce a love life and being a superhero, and, you know, that's never a good thing to do. And, oh, never. Uh, you know, these two worlds of bad guys being anti-Spider-Man and Spider-Man being anti, you know, be in a successful relationship may intertwine each other and cause havoc and uh, cause a movie to happen. And that movie is a movie that we watched, and Carson, why don't you start off by letting us know what you thought of it? We certainly did watch it. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to know what Steven thought of this because he inadvertently read the plot synopsis like two weeks ago on Wikipedia. And you're like, wow, this is very detailed. And we're like, I think that's the actual synopsis anyway. Yeah, so. I, I think for yeah. So people, to, to reference what Carson just said, <laughs> we are all sitting on Skype after finishing the episode, and Steven is reading through the synopsis. And he's not telling us anything from it. He's just talking about, like, wow, this is very detailed. And we're all deciding that, you know, hey, this film has been out for weeks, you know, in other countries and stuff. So yeah. this is literally a synopsis by, like, shot by shot of the film. <laughs> yes. and, and Stephen just proceeded to read it. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I read in. everything. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I knew every single plot twist that would happen in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and when we get into spoilers, that may become very relevant because there may be some things we want to talk about. Uh, later that may have been flavored by your textual input to that scene but i honestly i honestly don't know if it would have mattered or not because i feel like a lot of the movie is almost spoiler proof i don't know like like sony didn't seem to care marketing it and giving away like a lot of the uh the secrets and their plans of what they're doing for future movies but uh i mean all in all, I think that the movie is surprising. Surprising in the fact that it wasn't a complete disaster that I thought it was going to be. Because uh, I really, this movie really reeked of like Spider-Man 3 vibes where it just felt way overstuffed. There was too much going on, uh, too many villains. Um, you know, we weren't going to have, uh, we weren't going to have like a lot of time spent with the characters like, you know, People were just going to be like Venom and automatically become Venom in like the last 20 minutes or whatever. And some of that happens, but at least we get we get a little buildup before that. Um, it's not just like, oh, hey, I'm a villain now. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I, was ve- I was very surprised in that I wasn't bored. Like I, I did not sit there like I did during uh Captain America two and was just very bored out of my mind. But uh 
I, 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 I did like this movie a lot better than the first Amazing Spider-Man. Like, I was not a fan of that at all. I think that, I think that they were, you know, it, it just felt like very unnecessary, and it just seemed way too soon to be rebooting the series. And they were trying to make it a little dark and gritty, and that didn't really mesh with Spider-Man to me. And uh, it's funny how in the in this sequel they've sort of ditched that uh, tone that they established in the first film, and then they were just like, we're just going to go back to the comic booky type of Sam Raimi tones, and I, I guess that's fine. And and but uh, it just is funny because they kind of it seemed like they just kind of ditched it after establishing it, but maybe I guess they realized that it didn't work. But I mean, I was yeah, I, I did like it much more than the first one, and I think it's a a movie that a movie that is slightly successful purely because of the actors. Like I think that all the actors in the film elevate this movie a lot more than it should have been. Like I, I feel that uh, you know the one thing that I thought was a positive in the first film was Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Like I thought they're chemistry worked very well and that is uh expanded upon in the sequel which anytime there's a human moment like there's human interaction i think the movie plays really well anytime it it goes into action comic book mode it gets boring um and turns into just like a video game um but i think when there's you know human interaction i think it i think it works pretty well like i I enjoyed uh uh, Dane DeHaan as the new Harry Osborn. Uh, he seems to be very fond of playing cripples nowadays. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and I thought, like, once he gets all crazy, he he, he was very fun. And Jamie Foxx was, uh, played a good crazy man, too. And there was, a, I mean, I just think that the actors were a lot, they're, they're very strong and they're at least carrying the material. I mean, they could have gone, in my opinion, they could have gone even more ridiculous with the whole thing. That would have been uh, more fun, but uh, it's not an all-out disaster. It lands, it does land somewhere in the middle of complete, you know, Batman and Robin style fascinating mess and complete disaster. But luckily it's not totally middling where like I was sitting there bored. Uh, There's enough at least going on I felt like that, and I also felt that there is a lot of stuff going on in this movie. It didn't feel overstuffed to me, but it definitely feels like they sacrificed uh, they sacrificed a lot of character uh, elements for plot elements. Like they clearly are just going on. We have to make the plot this way so you know we can make these other films. Like it's. It was all, you know, it all felt like this is a, you know, this is designed this way so it'll lead up to this thing. And, you know, I guess that's kind of how the norm is, you know, like with Marvel and all their movies. But I feel like at least with some of the Marvel movies, they could stand on their own. They don't feel like they're, yeah, they are building to a bigger piece of the puzzle, but they still play on their own. And... I feel like, you know, nowadays with all these big budget movies, it's all about, well, we have to make it so we can make a sequel. It's not just like, let's just make 
focus on making a really strong movie and then if it's good and people like it we'll make a sequel um so that they definitely run into those kind of problems uh narratively in this film but overall i was uh i did not hate myself for watching this so (laughs) (laughs) so so the real question is was this movie better for you than a disneyland with all closed rides uh no it was yeah because i didn't have to walk around like sweaty and hot and you know get on a ride and then they'll be like it's now closed indefinitely it's like well (laughs) i am leaving all right well steven you said that you were expecting possibly arguments in this film have we reached argument territory yet uh no we haven't yet actually okay um yeah so I'm I'm not sure if there will be an argument. I guess I'll have to wait for Chris. Um, so I really went into this movie with everything stacked against it, right? I was not excited for it at all. I tried to cram it into a midnight showing on Friday night, uh, just thinking, like, well, I don't have any other time. Get it out of the way alone. Realized it was two and a half hours. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to be at the theater till way too late. This is terrible. <laughs> um I was very tired, so I was thinking, this movie is going to put me to sleep. I'm going to have a review where I admit that I didn't make it through the whole movie. That'll be fun. Uh, (laughs) And, like, then the movie started. And, I mean, so plot-wise, I will not say this was an amazing movie or a great movie. Like, I think the stories are kind of cheesy. Some of the things they throw in, especially about his parents and stuff, just didn't need to be there. They didn't add anything. But I do think they managed to capture what makes Spider-Man fun very well. Like, they managed to make a movie even at two hours and 20 minutes that I was never sitting there wishing it was over or wishing I could just get out of the theater. And I think, like Carson said, a lot of that is elevated by the strength of the actors. Like, Andrew Garfield is so much better than Tobey Maguire as a Spider-Man. <laughs> it's uh, at, at least in my mind, it's unbelievable how much better he is at balancing this, like, nerdy character who also is the superhero, who makes funny comments, like, has has a sense of humor and a sort of levity and is very charismatic and outgoing. Um, I think he just really, really nails the character in this. Yeah. And so Carson was saying even during the fight scenes, they're all kind of video game level, not that exciting. And I disagree. I think... Andrew Garfield and the script alone make them pretty frequently entertaining. I, it, it feels like he can't go more than a few seconds without making some comment. I, I can't think of, like, a good example was when uh, when Max first took to the streets and started being unhinged. Uh, by unhinged, I mean filled with electricity and destroying people. <laughs> <laughs> when he got all Zordon. Yeah, naturally. Then there's this, uh, the moment of their confrontation where Spider-Man comes up and is talking to him and trying to calm him down, that I thought that scene was played so well in terms of what the hero Spider-Man represents and the character of Peter Parker behind it and how he tries to be sympathetic towards people and how he's very, uh, very caring and outgoing and trying to be a source of hope, um... I don't know. I, I thought whatever they managed to strike here, the tone with Spider-Man throughout all the fights and everything he's going through, 
just made it very fun to me. It it was the opposite of a Christopher Nolan type take on a superhero. Yeah, this is a guy that he's flawed, I'm sure, but as a superhero, he's just a guy who wants to help people and he's having a good time with the superpowers and. I think that's really entertaining to watch. Um, again, I think the acting in general is really good. Like, there's this moment where uh, Peter and Harry Osborn reconnect for the first time. And at first, they're very standoffish. And then at a certain point, their old friendly uh, friendly ways come back. And I thought that scene in particular was played just very, very true to life. Like, I remember thinking Tobey Maguire never could have had a scene like this. Yeah. Um, just of the way they managed to make, I, I won't say fully developed characters, they're pretty one-note characters, but they sharpen that one note very well. Um, and, it, like, like so, going into it, I was afraid because it was going to be stuffed with villains the whole time. I mean, you've got Electro, you've got the Green Goblin... I knew Paul Giamatti was going to do something. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, by the way, I, I guess it's just a rite of passage that like award-winning actors play hammy supervillains now <laughs> in in Marvel movies. I mean, I mean, everybody seems to do it, but in I, this I, in particular, Jamie Foxx and Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I definitely could have used some more uh, more Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he's pretty entertaining. I mean, as far as sideways supervillain goes, I'll take uh, the Rhino over the Sandman any day. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's um, actually hilarious. Yes, the Sandman was pretty boring. Yeah, but I think even though it did have it did have two or three villains, depending on how you count it, I actually didn't feel like it was overstuffed. I felt like they focused on one at a time, and it, it was kind of like bookended by villains that were not were not the primary focus of the movie. Yeah, well, they're clearly uh, going to be more prominent in the next few yeah. movies. I, I definitely didn't get the sense when watching it that they were trying to shove villains in to get, like, asses in the seats or anything. It it felt like a pretty pretty clear storyline where he was fighting one person at a time, and while you're watching him fight this Electro character, then you start to see the downfall of Harry Osborn. Uh, and I was fine with that. Um, the Jamie Foxx-Max Dillon character, I thought it was a little uncomfortable, mainly because he seemed to clearly be mentally challenged. <laughs> um, so, and of course, the movie doesn't play it in a way where we're supposed to hate him or take joy in his destruction or anything like that. But but still, it was a little weird to me to see this, like, basically his character in The Soloist just got, like, superpowers <laughs> and started. <laughs> but Iron Man wasn't there to calm him down. And well, no, he's, no. he's borderline, like, the stapler guy from, from Office Space. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's essentially the same character. Yeah. And I guess we do take joy in laughing at that guy. But he... I, I don't know. I, I was fine with it. Again, this kind of goes back to how this is more of the comic booky style of supervillain, like like Tim Burton Batman type supervillain, yeah. where they're just kind of like freak accident, goofy people become frightening, but they're still clearly like psychologically unhinged. Yeah. Uh, he he was fine. I didn't really care about him too much, and I don't think the movie did either. Like clearly, this movie was much more about about uh, Peter Parker than it was about any particular supervillain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I can't call it a great movie. I didn't love it. There were definitely cheesy scenes. I, like I said before, anything where his parents were involved oh. and the interactions with uh, Sally Field, Aunt May, like those I didn't feel were that strong. So, so you didn't even there, there's one scene specifically where, with her where Peter's asking about his parents like that scene didn't even work for you oh no I, I thought that was played very well okay. like like the actors are phenomenal again I think Andrew Garfield does a really good job here yeah because I, uh, I thought that, that that scene in particular was fantastic like just the way it played out the the emotions behind it like I mm-hmm. love that that moment yeah I, I thought it was played very well I just mean as far as the plot goes I didn't care about these side things so much gotcha so it, like, the, the, like it, it, though the scene worked for what it was supposed to be the film didn't need that in order to carry yes. the storyline I, I mean if there's one yeah. thing about the movie that was overstuffed I thought it was that on top of these villains and the arc of Gwen Stacy they also thought he needed to discover his backstory here Yeah, well, for, uh, when uh, it didn't do anything for him right it didn't change how he acted in the movie at all it was just another thing he was discovering well here's the weird thing about that like what all those scenes piece together mean like the inclusion of the parents in the story if like you go back and listen to our last review I don't remember if it was in the spoiler section because technically the film didn't really discuss it, but like I was bringing up this idea that um, Peter was only allowed to have his powers because of something that his father did. Like that was my theory at the time that was like semi corroborated by the film itself, but not really because they pulled all that stuff out of it. So at the time when those undertones were in the original, I love that and I was like super keyed in on it and I was like that that's like really cool and I really like that and though I've heard other people discuss that like that completely changes what it means to be Spider-Man because everybody is supposed to put themselves in Spider-Man's shoes and think like oh I could become Spider-Man um but that is sort of saying that well no you can't become Spider-Man um but throwing that out there like I was really into that during the first film and when those when they take time out of this movie to discuss it and like confirm aspects of what i was saying when we were reviewing the first film when it was just an underlying story and not the actual story it felt much weaker and it didn't feel Mm -hmm. as important and what he does i mean really the like they took it out of the first movie so they felt it wasn't important enough and they bring it back into this film just to help along dane dehan's part of the story um yeah but i didn't even see it as really okay it did help along his part of the story in that we we now knew with certainty what we only could have predicted before yeah. would have happened. But I still felt like it was not needed for that at all. It just felt like another big reveal that didn't pay off anything, like that wasn't wasn't motivated and didn't it didn't impact the story. If they didn't show that, every character would have behaved exactly as they did already. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's true, but I I just I feel like they pulled it out and they put it back in and then, like, I'm just trying to get into their head. So I think they pulled it out of the first because the first, they felt they didn't have time for it or whatever. And they're like, well, we need to put it in the second film. But it wasn't justified being there. So then they tied it to Dane DeHaan's arc as, like, a way of, like, see, we need this here. And I just think it wasn't successful. So rather than bringing it in to be this really cool backstory for Peter, they brought it back in because they had it there originally. And it wasn't strong enough, so they tried to tie it to something else. And I think that's... I don't know. I'm like I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to uh uh I'm I'm not saying it in a positive way. I'm saying it in a negative way. I'm not mm-hmm. not, not trying to back them up and say no, this is why they had to do it. I'm just saying I think that's what they were going for and yeah. just not no, so good. Totally because I think that 
the uh, the untold story that they kind of teased in the first film yeah. was definitely all the all the scenes with his parents in this movie. I feel like we're just all deleted scenes from the first film. Yeah. Because that mm-hmm. opening scene especially felt like that was left over from the first movie. And they're like, oh, you know, it would be really awesome if we open the second movie with this. Yeah. They're like, we'll just take off that black and white filter. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I... Did anyone save the original? <laughs> Damn it. We got to recolor. <laughs> yeah. They had, that's, they had to spend extra money recoloring that scene. <laughs> Instagram, why don't you save the original too? But yeah, it did, that whole opening scene, I was like, oh man, like we do not, this is not getting off to a good start because... Uh, I didn't. That felt completely yeah. unnecessary. But I, I will say, I think the opening was one of the weakest parts of the movie. Oh, um, by far. Yeah. So I, I was after that set the bar very low. I was pretty happy with that. They managed to rise above it. So again, I didn't completely love the movie, but especially granting my expectations going in, I was quite happily surprised when I watched it. Gotcha. Yes, I, I would completely agree with the statement that steven just made i didn't completely love it but was surprised (laughs) (laughs) uh well now i guess we get to me right yep well um you guys didn't bring enough you know conflict already in the episode so i i i've been having all the conflict that should have been in this episode with myself over the last couple days because i saw this thursday night um Mm. so i watched it like the seven o'clock or 7 30 showing on thursday night and you know, I walked out of the theater like, a, a little disappointed, um, thinking I do not like this as much as the first one, uh, and this movie was just not that good. And I've been chewing over it a lot for the last couple of days, and as I think back to, even during the film, like, there'd be a scene, like, I, I made a joke uh, before this episode started, um, referring to a visual, uh, I'll call it a gag they use during one of the climactic scenes in the past that involves uh, the, like, personification of the web itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um, and that's all I'll say about that scene or the the exactly what the visual is. But, like, when that scene started to happen, I was like, okay, that's, that's a little on the nose. And then I was like, no, that's actually kind of beautiful. And then, like, I was like, nope, that's stupid. And I was like, no, I really like that. And I was like, nope, it, it's dumb. Uh, another example would be... Uh, you know, anytime Electro's run around the city, like his electric attacks are like playing music, <laughs> like this rock music. And I'm like, <laughs> God, that is the dumbest thing. And I'm like, no, it's kind of cool. And then like Spider-Man's like, I hate this song. I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> and like, There's like a bunch of these like very comic booky style decisions that are being made where like, I met this conflict between whether they're like genius or like stupid. See, so I think you're you're William Defoe right now, and you need to be Dane DeHaan. You need to just commit <laughs> commit to one point of view. Don't be so conflicted. No, I know. No, yes. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I think this movie did something really great. Um, and I, and I like okay, this is I've, I've been trying to think while you guys were talking. I'm trying to think of an analogy. And like this movie, The Amazing Spider-Man Two, is I think I think for me it is alcohol. Like, so if, if you are in a depressed mood and you start consuming alcohol, like you're going to, you know, delve deeper into be that happy. depressed, yeah, <laughs> you're going to be happy, you know, exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, like when you start consuming alcohol, the mood you're in will dictate where you go as you consume that, that mm-hmm. alcohol. And I think that the amazing Spider-Man two has the potential 
to act in a similar way. So like if I am like vibing off the uh, comic booky feeling, I think this film is probably going to be great. Like I think that it's because it's going to hit all those nerves. If I'm watching it from a fearful standpoint, um, I think the the flaws and, and stuff that that uh, stick out that way are are going to be more apparent because I'm like watching it with a more critical eye because I, I'm so fond of that first one. But as I'm watching it, like you guys talked about the opening scene with uh, whatever his Russian name is, Alexia Stevov or whatever mm-hmm. the hell his name is. Um, uh, in that scene, I think the way Peter Parker is acting is is perfect. Exactly what I want Spider-Man to be like, you know, the joking, the quipping, the being stuck on the front of like, you know, trucks and yeah, yeah. like, taking phone calls and like just being silly and, and kind of like talking to himself as he does things mm-hmm. as he's trying yeah. to, as that's, that's how he is. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like that's that how the character perfect, is. That's perfect. Spider-Man. I don't like the Russian guy. I like, I want the bad guy to be serious and Spider-Man to be quippy. I don't need the bad guy to be like all super hamming it up and like being like, ah, I crush you with my truck. Um, <laughs> like that I'm... just, it, it just didn't work for me that that opening scene felt kind of like i was like oh this is kind of stupid and then like peter parker would have a line or spider-man would have a line and i'd be like oh cool cool this, this is good and then like it, the other guy would be like ah, i shoot randomly in the sky and then i'd be like i don't uh, I, it just totally it didn't feel right but like anytime it was spider-man's view i was like oh this is perfect and then every time it was like one of the bad guys views it's like oh what the hell is going on um so like there was I don't know, there's just little things in the film that, like, I was just conflicted, like, as I'm watching it, going, like, I don't know if this is perfect, and then even with the relationship between, you know, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, like, I'm like, I'm like, this is perfect, and this feels just like the first one, and then sometimes I'd be like, eh, that was a little stilted, and then, like, they would just say the very next line, I'd be like, oh, it's all perfect again, and I was just like, I don't know, the entire movie I watched it, I was, I was just kind of, like, being ripped back and forth, it was like I had... You know, I don't know. Some, it's like you were Electro. Yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> you were talking to himself in the mirror, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but all that being said, like, I think that really interesting stuff is is happening in this film. I I absolutely love the the transitions of, you know, the main... Well, for, first of all, the trailers made me worried because I was thinking Spider-Man 3 like everybody else. And yeah. we were worried that there's too many supervillains being thrown into this film and... As you already pointed out, Stephen, we have like we have one of them who's like at this point in time very minor who bookends the film, and mm-hmm. he's not really present through the major part part of the film. So he's sort of just there to be like, oh, remember Spider Man's a guy. Um, then we are our, our two other villains in this film are really it's it, they're two separate villains, but they're one threat, and they're both rising to power sort of at the same time and in conjunction with each other. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's one person who, in the arc to become his villainous self, is, you know, requesting the help of the person who accidentally became a villain. And so we're getting two sort of backstories, but at the same time, it's one present threat to Spider-Man. So it doesn't feel like like three separate films. It feels like one one bad guy introduces us to Spider-Man again to show us how he's changed after he's been saving people for, you know, the duration of time between the two films. And then we have two villains who come together as one threat. And I thought that was handled really well. Um, but they're transformations themselves. Like, the... As quick as as Electro's change goes from being like, I'm a good guy who doesn't know what's happening to be being, um, no, I'm a bad guy now. 
I thought that was handled perfectly. Like I mm-hmm. actually, I've heard some people online talking about not thinking there was enough of an arc there, but I felt just in that scene, um, I thought that all we needed to know took place in that scene in a perfect little mini arc, just showing the idea of all these people watching Electro as he is charging up and how that would make him feel. And then just to have that ripped away as Spider-Man shows up to like try to figure out what the hell is going on like that. I thought that worked perfectly. Um, so, yeah. I mean, did, did, how, what did you guys think of that transition? I thought Electro's, uh, I mean, I thought him as the central villain was totally fine. Like, I mean, I think that his arc in the movie felt like a very, like they, there was enough time spent with Jamie Foxx pre Electro. And then, like you said, in that scene, you know, there's enough to buy him and why he would become evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I definitely felt the same. I thought that scene showed him as a sympathetic character in a way that made you recognize what would flip the switch. And especially granting that his pre-Electro life was fairly unhinged already. Yeah. I, I, I completely bought the transition, definitely. The one thing I thought... I can't even say the movie fell flat, but the trailer made it look like Electro was this ultimate bad guy type of situation. Like, like you know, we're taking things to a new level. He is the real threat for Spider-Man. Yeah. And you never actually feel that. Like, the movie doesn't play it that way, right? No. The movie never sees him as some huge threat he's like peter parker wants to live his life and then he keeps having to fight these like dicks that are doing stuff (laughs) but there's never once a moment where it's like peter is afraid that he won't be able to beat him or something yeah which is fine it's just kind of a failure of the trailers that they play it up that way yeah, At least yeah. I thought they did. They I show mean, a I think shiny, Electro- shining blue guy going like, <laughs> without Spider-Man. Let's yeah, go yeah. catch a spider. Yeah, and you think like this is going to be some ultimate showdown, which of course it isn't. I mean, that's why I'm okay with them cramming multiple villains in. And, you know, Carson called him the central villain, which is true. But the movie almost doesn't have a main villain. It isn't really about Spider-Man versus a villain, right? Yeah. The villains are just examples of the trade-off that he has to make to continue being spider-man yeah, yeah. i think i think the villain is himself i yeah. think oh Ele- wow <laughs> oh whoa <laughs> they should make spider-man 3 about that <laughs> yes i know i think electro though is a much better villain than lizard was in the first movie yeah because mm-hmm. i mean there were i think the first movie had way more narrative problems there was a lot of stuff that was cut out and rearranged and it just you know i still don't know what happened to to that one dude Irfan khan the indian guy he just like this he just i guess is still in that taxi somewhere or whatever on the bridge in the first movie didn't he get uh, ripped out of the taxi yeah i don't even remember like but that's the thing is i remember reading like he was supposed to be like a major character and like i don't know just the whole the whole uh genesis of the lizard character uh, was not as smooth as Electro's rise to power in this film. Well, also, like, now that we're talking about the, the lizard more directly, like, Norman Osborn, like, clear, like, I, Spider-Venom versus lizard powers, like, serum, like, I mean, 
it's it's pretty stupid. We're gonna have to get into spoilers to really talk about it. But I just think that like from from the opening scene where you see see that Norman is dying, you're like, oh, like clearly he used some you know more manageable version of the lizard serum to keep himself alive because he had like a lizard arm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he but, had like crazy fingernails and stuff. As it turns out, you might not need lizard DNA to get a lizard arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I I think still as as a central villain, the lizard was pretty cheesy and uh it really conflicted with the tone of this because I think the like I said, the big problem I had with the first movie was they were trying to go with like the Nolanized tone and it just did not work with Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be a, a fun character. He's supposed to be this quippy, smart alecky character. And yeah, he fights a lot of like really ridiculous villains. And um, I think it's all it's a lot smoother in this film. Everything is a lot smoother in this film. Um, I I totally am okay with you know Paul Giamatti being this like hammy villain. Uh, I mean. To me, he's no more ridiculous than the Jamie Foxx, like, flying around, zapping people with electricity. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like, and well, Obviously, and th- Carson, you haven't played Infamous. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have seen someone play it. I have not played it myself, though. But, uh, uh, no, but... I, I, I will say, though, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't like all the electro effects. I thought... It, it, at some point it did look pretty cheesy and like they look they look pretty scenes, cheesy i was like damn it now we're never gonna get an infamous movie <laughs> but the, dude like they i don't know why they just didn't put jamie fox in like blue makeup like i think they because i've seen like set photos and he did have like blue makeup on but then they enhanced it with cg i don't know why they just didn't you know keep the makeup and then like kind of enhance his face with the makeup to make him seem all like electrically charged but well I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better since they were already stealing the uh jamie fox recompiling scene from watchmen why didn't they just do that and have a blue led suit have him walking around <laughs> in that and do a completely cg guy yeah well i mean that's what he he ends up looking more like uh, dr manhattan uh, he, he was than... certainly completely cg at a certain point because he turns into pure electricity yeah yeah, yeah. But but that's what I'm saying is just like why even bother having the actor there if you're gonna just enhance his face with CG? Mm. I don't know. It just doesn't come off as natural. Like it just seems a little more silly. I, yeah. I gotta say that with with respect to him, one other thing I liked tonally about the movie is every time he is fighting, this like heavy distorted guitar starts playing uh, kind of similar <laughs> yeah. to in the hills have eyes remake when like the zombies are coming and it's just like yeah and there was like uh, weird chanting in the background too yeah, like i, I thought vaguely. it totally worked for his character i, I thought it, it added to the like comic booky tone of this movie that he's just this like badass dj or something it's like <laughs> like, like yeah. i was saying earlier though like i i like that that was happening i didn't like that the lyrics to the song were his, were his internal monologue and the actual attacks he were doing were the notes of the song. That was a little too far. Like it yeah, went I, from I being it. like, like it went from being his version of the Darth Vader theme to like just playing when he like comes walking in to being like this sort of over the top kind of ridiculousness. Yeah, but then it like, it kind of breaks the fourth wall because Spider-Man comments on the song. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> He's like, oh I man, I hate awesome. this song. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I was totally on board with that. I think musically, that was the most interesting choice in the film. Like, I think the rest just felt like 
Hans was recycling uh, leftover bits from Inception. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that was definitely the, the the that was the thing that stuck out the most to me. They should have just had Jamie Foxx rap. Though. That would have been, <laughs> that been hilarious. Fun. I would be down Blame with that. Blame it on the too. alcohol. Yeah. Totally. They could he him and Dane DeHaan could have had like a a rap duet. <laughs> I mean, good. But uh, yeah, I think that overall, like I think that you know, with with the first two original Spider-Man movies, I think that Sam Raimi completely nailed the tone of Spider-Man. Like I think that, I think that he perfectly captured the tone in which these movies are trying to go for. Like I don't think they quite as capture, at least in this film, the second Amazing Spider-Man doesn't quite as capture uh, the comic booky tone that the Raimi first two Raimi Spider-Mans did but the cast in the these new Spider-Man movies I think are a lot better so there's kind of like a trade-off on both movies you know like oh I like you know I like how these movies are handled more but the actors in these new ones I like a lot I like a lot more you know so there's kind of like a trade-off but I think that because I mean honestly if you were to sit somebody down who did not know that Mark Webb directed uh, these two Spider-Man movies or 500 Days of Summer, and you were like, yeah, this is the same guy. You just would not know. There's, like, no distinction, you know? Like, there's no... I feel like there's no... He doesn't have his mark on these Maybe. movies. Maybe. I feel like, I feel like the, uh, the quick cuts in this movie and some of the stylistic decisions have that same kind of like snappy playfulness that 500 days of summer has i think i think but. more so definitely more so in in this in this one but in the mm-hmm. first amazing spider-man that could have been anybody like it just didn't feel like it was his voice or anything or didn't feel like a distinctive voice it felt like it was just pulling styles from every other comic book and you know movie that there was but mm. In this one, yeah, there is there is definitely a lot more of the playfulness, but it still didn't really feel like there was a distinctive stamp on it. But, you know, those are just, like, little things. I think overall, you know, like, you, you come to see this movie, you're, you want to see, like, you want to be entertained, and I'm glad that they decided to pretty much ditch the serious tone and have Spider-Man be fun and playful although did you notice that like i feel like andrew garfield had more of a new york accent in this one than he did in the first movie like there'd be a couple lines he he felt a little more of a new yorker than i remember yeah like there'd be a couple lines where his where he had like a really strong new york accent he felt he felt more like ben schwartz this time than last time even (laughs) guys you know you know why that is right because after all the crane guys helped him in the last film he's been hanging out with them all the time i guess that's been rubbing off on him i guess i guess that's what we were supposed to uh supposed to think yeah you guys didn't get that i mean that was clearly obvious to me (laughs) i did not no i just was like why is he talking talking you know yeah man just got a briefcase full of junk man (laughs) just got a briefcase full of junk I, I thought he was just turning into John Ralphio, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Ralphio and Gay Hitler, <laughs> the two best Spider-Man team up. <laughs> yeah, 
well. All right, should should we close this up if we're gonna do a spoiler? Yeah, spoiler yeah. section two. But yeah, let's go ahead and, and and wrap this up because there there are definitely there's at least one big thing we need to talk about in spoilers, um, but possibly some other things too. Um, so let's go ahead and just uh, you know we're gonna get to our, our verdict as we normally do. We'll close out the show, and after the music fades out, we will go into spoilers. So Carson, why don't you start us off? Excuse me, why don't you start us off and uh, give us uh, your verdict? So if you want to give this a must-see, a reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid. Um, I, I'm in the middle on this movie. Uh, like I said, to reiterate what Steven said, I didn't completely love it, but I was entertained. So I'm going to give it a wait for rental, not necessarily that you should go out and wait till it comes to Redbox. Like, obviously, if you've seen the other Spider-Man movies and you like Spider-Man, you're going to want to go see this in the theater. But I think purely for uh, rating purposes, wait for rental is the middle rating. So I am in the middle. That's where I am. Steven. I'm still conflicted. My inner William Defoe is uh, shouting <laughs> two different things at me right now. Uh, I'm I'm going to give this a very strong recommend with a caveat, I think. Uh, I think for what it was trying to do, the playful tone it wanted to strike, it did a very good job. And I think I think the actors are uniformly great in this movie. I think they really elevate what would have been a fairly middle-of-the-road script into something that's a lot of fun to watch. And I think even though there's this long runtime and kind of a whole mess of characters, they pull it off in a way that I can't really imagine you going into the theater expecting a popcorn flick and not having a good time watching it. Uh, the caveat, of course, is if you go in expecting The Dark Knight or anything, you're not going to be happy at all. Um, I do definitely think it's a shame and kind of a mystery that this has, like, in the 50% on Rotten Tomatoes to Captain America's, like, 90%. Yeah, that's, that's a little weird. That doesn't make any sense. In my mind, this movie was better in every way than the Captain America movie. Yeah. Um, so well, definitely... You, you know what the problem is, right? It's that all the people that are writing the reviews that are being considered by Rotten Tomatoes are, you know, all members of Hydra. So yes, okay. Yeah, exactly. that, made, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hail Hydra. Hail Wait, Hydra. So pro-Hydra people are pro-Captain America? <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive. Well, they, they, well, they don't... Hydra people don't like having fun, so that's why they love Captain America. Oh, I see. Well, the first yeah. rule about Hydra is you don't talk about Hydra, but it's okay to promote a movie that talks about Hydra because... Otherwise, no one's going to know that they have some place to join. Right. But, but exactly. don't you think they felt at least sympathetic to the kooky Doctor Strange love character in this movie too? Oh, they, oh, they, they definitely did. I'm sure that mm-hmm. you probably didn't notice if you went back, like once DVD, DVD comes out and you go back frame by frame. <laughs> I bet you he had like a Hydra ring on or something. Yeah, a Hydra mm-hmm. ring. Yeah, that was a, a Easter egg. I, I look forward to that crossover. <laughs> anyway, I, I, dude, I would totally watch a spinoff of hey, Doctor Kafka play, in this movie. If they can play a ridiculous, unfounded clip from X Men during the credits of this film, yeah, dude, I didn't, I didn't show get that. Ring. I didn't get the X Men clip when you I saw this. Weren't missing much. Yeah, okay. that made no. I don't think they were trying to tie them in, right? They're just trying to give you a preview for it, the X Men movie. It's a contractual obligation uh, to have to promote the film during the. It credits. was. It was. No, well, I read that uh, Mark Webb still had a movie to give to Fox from his like 500 Days of Summer contract. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. they forced him to do a cross promo. Yeah, they, in mm. in order to release him from his contract to do Amazing Spider-Man three, 
Fox was like, let us promote X-Men for free. Yeah, but you, you know what it was like? <laughs> like This is what really pissed me off. Every once in a while, you'll go to like a movie page in iTunes, and you'll click the watch trailer. But rather than get a trailer, you will get a random two-minute clip from the movie. Yeah. Um, and you're like, that wasn't a trailer. That's just a scene with no context, and I have no idea whether I want to watch this movie. That's what this felt like. It's like, and cut to people infiltrating a military camp. You don't know which side's which or what they're doing or why. And then end of clip. And then everybody in the theater was like, what the? It was crazy. <laughs> was it was it mid-credits or after the credits? Mid-credits. See, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I feel like that maybe they were they were trying to, you know, promote X-Men, which why do you need to do that? But I think, honestly, maybe they were trying to get the fanboys all riled up that they could potentially see a, a crossover movie, even though that's not going to happen. Yeah, I kind of well, feel like that that was the intent. We're, I mean, I, not to, to keep keep prolonging this, but in the reaction in my theater was that everybody was staying to see if there was going to be a post credit sequence. They got the Spider Man or they got the X Men credit mid credits, yeah. and all that did, all that accomplished, was make them more pissed that there was no stinger for Spider Man. So like, it actually negatively impacted their reaction to um, not seeing anything at the end of the film, as opposed to like getting them hyped. Oh, well, I mean, I was fine that they didn't have an end of the credits stinger yeah, for, I, I for like, this movie. I, I like the way this movie ends, like the yeah. last movie, kind of in the middle of the action. I think that's, uh, I think I that, was that was the fine. way to go. Unfortunately, yeah. though, like halfway through the film, I realized that the last shot of this film would be the last shot because I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, that the only thing that makes sense is that that damn manhole cover rocket reflection <laughs> thing is going to be the final shot. Of this I was like, that hasn't happened in this movie yet, unless that was left on the cutting room floor with all no, the... There's no way they cut that out, because that was clearly a money shot for them. I oh, was like, that was something... a total, total money shot. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, whose turn, who's turn is it? Is it my turn? Uh, you. Yeah, it's yeah, your it's turn. Okay. turn yeah. uh, I am going to also give this a recommend with a caveat. I'm going to be the opposite caveat, I think. I already forgot what you were saying, Stephen, but basically this is probably a wait for rental. But the caveat is that because I think this film has potential to be like genuinely really enjoyed by people, um, I think where you want to see it is on the big screen in a room full of other people that are potentially loving it also. Because my theater was definitely vibing off the film. The film, the, the part, the moments in the films where it should have been silent, like you could hear a freaking pin drop the, the moments that were supposed to be funny everybody was laughing like my theater seemed to really enjoy it and i think that while maybe quality wise uh, i didn't like this film as much as i liked the first there is a lot of great stuff in it and i i think that you should be you know you should sling your way out to the theater and check it out because that will be the best experience for you as opposed to watching it alone at your house and going yeah it's all right so. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i did, like i said i don't think you should watch it like you should actually wait for rental, but I just, I'm at like that, like I'm at that point where it's like they should have a rating in between C plus and B minus. Like that's where this movie should be. C plus plus. Yes, exactly. Oh god. <laughs> Swish. Programming joke. Yes. You know, you know what's funny though? Uh, random, random tangent. The like when I saw this movie, there were a lot of people in the theater. And we're just they, hissing. Just no, but they they were like how you said they were like into the they they were laughing at the the jokes and when it was uh, serious in a serious moment like pretty much everyone was silent, which was weird because there was this dude sitting like in the front section and like even when it was silent he turned around and he was like shh quiet I was like oh god 
was like, we, we got a Jamie Foxx in here. We got a Max Dillon in the theater. It's like, damn it, the silence is excruciating. It's like he was hearing his inner monologue. That's what it felt like. I was like, dude, I didn't hear anyone talking. Maybe somebody behind him was like chewing really loudly. And, I like, guess. They or must like doing have been. the straw thing. Where it's like, rrr, 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 rrr. I guess. I mean, there, there were like a couple of kids that like you know said like like they were like being a little loud but it wasn't annoying at all like they shut up like pretty quickly after that and plus the movie was so loud you couldn't hear them but i just thought that was weird i guess there was a a straw person behind him or something i don't know i just i was like please don't go all electro on us (laughs) (laughs) all right so um let's hurry up and close this out so we can get into spoilers so carson if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven. Uh, if you want to find me, go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, facebook.com slash sdavidmiller. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning to figure out when the episodes go live or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to this film or, as I like to call it, the internal monologue of Electro as yes. he's about to try to destroy half a city. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying that. The music, that music is fading up right now. It's getting more and more intense and it's good that it's getting intense because in a few seconds that music's going to fade out and we're going to start full-blown spoilers. So if you've been listening, thank you. Come back later after you see the film if you want to hear this or if you don't mind being spoiled, we're going to talk about some crazy stuff. Yeah, we're going to be slinging spoilers right at your face. Right at your (laughs) face. Electrified spoilers. Magnetized spoilers. Magnetized webs. Boom. Okay, we are back. This is spoiler territory. We are going to be spoiling the crap out of at least the ending of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So if you're still listening and you haven't seen the film and you don't want to be spoiled, then you might want to go like swing away right now. Yeah, Um, if you don't already know it. Everyone else. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read Wikipedia. Yeah, Yeah. if you haven't pulled Steven. (laughs) You know, actually going to break the format. I want to go to you first, Steven. How did the death of Gwen Stacy play for you? I, so again... To me, it was inevitable. Even before reading Wikipedia, I knew I knew Gwen Stacy was going to die. Uh, I, I guess it's just common knowledge among comic book people yeah. that the uh, Green Goblin, or is he the Hobgoblin? I don't even know. He's a goblin. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah it's weird because it's different. His origin yeah, is different in this movie. It, it's I think common they call him knowledge. Yeah, it's common knowledge that he will kill Gwen's, Gwen Stacy. And when I was at SIGGRAPH, the people made a comment about a location that would be in this movie that pretty much gave away to everyone. And so I heard through murmurs in the crowd, like, oh, Gwen Stacy is going to die in this one. <laughs> Man, there's um, some dicks in that crowd. You're just watching yeah, yeah. like a special effects presentation for a movie <laughs> that doesn't have the death of Gwen Stacy. And some guy behind you is like, yep, she's totally going to die. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But it, but it did ruin it for me. So I knew, I knew for sure that Gwen Stacy was going to die in this movie. I thought it was played fine. Um, 
So, okay, she's definitely a character that's built up a lot, but we know that MJ is that is innuendo? Coming. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what, MJ? Uh, dude, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we all knew that he was going to discover his new love, sweet Mary Jane. Yes. 420. Um, Which Mary Jane soon. was cut out of this movie, if you remember. Oh, she, right. oh yeah, that's right. She, yeah, was, she was hit it. by a car. <laughs> she was, who, who, was it going to be... Uh, it was uh, Shalane Woodley. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Descendants and From uh, Spectacular and, Now girl. And Divergent, yeah. yeah. yeah she was going to be Mary Jane. Divergent. Um, <laughs> Die what? Di- di- yeah, Spectacular Now. She was going to be uh, Mary Jane. She had a very small like cameo role in this, and they decided to cut her out. So okay, so let, let's grant she she has to die at some point because Spidey has to fall in love with MJ. Uh, well, it's it, it, it's it's a character that's built around these like young man relationships. So why couldn't they both exist simultaneously and have like love triangle action going on? Yeah, why couldn't he just been dating no, her at the same time? I don't think so. I I don't think for Spider Man, you want to think they've got some perfect love going on. I don't think there's going to be like an well, awkward see, breakup and well, then up with Life MJ. is not perfect like that. There is no perfect love. So <laughs> oh, okay, like... I believe in a soulmate. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see, they... there's one other girl in the world that has spider venom in her veins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see, the only they... one who could who could survive the deed without getting an oh, spider no, twilight territory. Anyway, <laughs> yes. No, but they did. They tried to do the love triangle angle. In Spider-Man 3, where they had Mary Jane and Bryce Dallas Howard played Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to, like, you know, she was all into the emo bad boy Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back then, but see, back then it was different because, like, the one was dating Spider-Man. The other one was dating <laughs> Peter Parker. Yeah, exactly. She was conflicted. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Now and it, dig, all, now all dig on this. Say, <laughs> all that to say, the scene had to happen. I thought it was given just the right amount of weight. And levity in the sense that it happens fairly quickly, but it happens in a moment uh, where Harry Osborn is clearly upset and wanting to take something from Peter Parker. Yeah, I, I think the emotions of that scene work just fine. Uh, I yeah, I was actually completely fine with how that played out, even though it wasn't some monumental thing. Like it, it's not like they devoted fifteen minutes to her death or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. Even though it was spoiled for me, I still thought it was done well. I don't know. What about you? Did yeah, you have well, an well, issue with it? Let's go with Carson first. He's soulless. Uh, how did you think of that film? <laughs> <laughs> Hated it. Um, no, ser- seriously, though, what, what did I, you think of it? Seriously, though, I was spoiled, too, because I knew f- from reading, um, not from having read the comics, but from like how Steven, I knew people who had read the comics, and they told me that, yeah, like when Stacy gets killed... And he tries to, you know, he tries to save her, but he ends up breaking her back with his uh, magnetized web slingers. But yeah, yeah, like, so I knew that going in. And then also, Emma Stone totally ruined it for anyone. Like, on the press tour of the first Amazing Spider-Man, she was just like, yeah, I can't wait to do the Gwen Stacy arc. Like, I want to, you know, I want to exercise my escape clause from this from this franchise. So um, she was already talking it up big. And then when they were filming this movie, she like got all mum and was like, oh, well, I don't know if we're going to do that. But it was like, clearly, 
it's gonna happen. And uh, when you saw the the shots in the trailers where like she was falling and Spider Man was like gonna catch her, I was like, well, yeah. But like in every Spider Man movie, there's a part yeah, where a girl is okay. like, it's always like him, like you know, dangling, like holding a, a family, like like the scene in the other Spider Man where he's yeah, like okay, holding the I'll car of the family right. and he's like, no, she's falling. What do I do? Choices. I, re- I retract that statement. Anyway, um. Oh, you could, yeah, anyway, but I just, from, from already knowing that she was probably going to die in this, I was like, oh, that's probably where it happens in this scene. But anyway, so I like, I kind of equate it to like, if you've read the books, you know, if you've read the comics, I guess, I mean, like, I, I thought it played fine. Like, I thought the, you know, it was, it was done fine. I think Andrew Garfield, like the scenes later, I think he handles those scenes very effectively. And I think that maybe if you were not privy to what happened the scene would would be a lot more weighty like i think i definitely if i didn't know it was gonna happen i'd be like all right well she's just gonna you know he's gonna be like oh gwen and then you know we're gonna get we're gonna have a fake out and she's just gonna be like ah i'm alive you know like it (laughs) felt like one of those where you're like nah they're really not gonna kill her you know like one of those things where kind of like if you maybe if you had read game of thrones you would know like what would happen in the first season, but like me, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a noob, and I'd be like, "Whoa, they really just killed off Sean Bean!" Like that's that's huge. <laughs> yeah, you I know, hope this is the Game of Thrones spoiler warning too. So you should- <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think I think I think Sean Bean being killed off at the beginning of 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 Game of Thrones season one. Wait, so they had hobbits in Game of Thrones? Yeah, like what I was gonna say though was like his death and that is equivalent to knowing that Dumbledore is going to die in book seven or whatever it was like right and I, I, I think knew... at this point like it's like I don't feel bad about spoiling that because yeah. though every once in a while I, I will get a text message from somebody that somehow avoided that spoiler and they're like what the uh, uh, Dude, Dumbledore like... dies in book six whatever uh, what yeah it's somewhere in the Harry Potter universe but no I think that I mean, I didn't know, like, watching the first season of Game of Thrones, like, I had no idea that they were going to off him. So that was a pretty big shock I, I, to me. I had no clue either. Yeah. So, but Send I did. emails to Carson. <laughs> yes. But I did know that not having read the 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 latter books of, of Harry Potter, like, you know, I already knew from just people having read them that, yeah, Dumbledore was going to die. So, I mean, that, uh, so I guess the Gwen Stacy scene in this film is kind of like the Dumbledore scene in whatever Harry Potter movie it was. It's like, yeah, like, I knew it was coming and it was fine, like, the way they handled it, so. Well, I, I will argue that it's not for a couple different reasons mm-hmm. because, A, unlike the world of, like, book adaptations to movies, like, I think that, um, especially when you're talking about, like, the sixth book in a series that is... Like when that book's coming out, there's already movies in play. I think they exist in a in a tandem universe in which there is so much overlap between the book readers and and the film viewers that you have to be a little bit more careful. I think in the comic books world that there's still like separate universes in a way where like the people who read comics. I mean now that is definitely the bleed over is happening. Like we're reaching like the singularity of of the you know geek culture or whatever where it's becoming more prevalent everywhere. But I think that you don't expect to know major story arcs in the comic book universe, especially considering like they like every single character is gonna like die and come back, and there's alternate universe arcs, and there's all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff that in the comic world, where, like even if you hear that Gwen Stacy's gonna die, that could be like alternate other Bizarro Superman or, or Spider Man. Like there, there, there could just be like some 
True, yeah. Yeah, whatever. So, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I feel like the Gwen Stacy storyline is a pretty famous storyline. Well, in, in to give you more evidence, I had no freaking clue. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, no, and, and you're, and I actually think you're right. It wasn't inevitable, of course. They, like, we even mentioned Spider-Man 3. Clearly, people have reimagined who Gwen Stacy was. Yeah, right, be. yeah, yeah. So, for me, I did not expect that at all. In fact, anytime there is a, a damsel in distress, especially if she's falling from a height, especially with a character who can either fly or sling web that would be allow him to catch her, um, I thought there's no way in hell like that anything is going to happen other than him catch her. And uh, yeah, I was very surprised. <laughs> um, there were like people in my audience bawling, like super gnarly. And part of me was like, there's no way this is going to happen. Like, She's going to cough any second now. And then you get, like, the blood trickling out her nose, and you're like, dude, she's dead. Like, this yeah. is bad. Yeah, Only dead pretty... people have nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty dead. <laughs> but no, it's like, so, first of all, I had no clue what was going to happen. And it's like, a normal movie would be like, she falls, he goes to catch her, and when he looks over the ledge, she's already, like, splat, her splat on the ground. That's how, like, your average movie would yeah. uh, would do it. In this film, though, we like I, I want to put this into context. I don't know if people really think about this in this way, but it's been like it's stuck with my head for the last three days. So you have the scene earlier in the film where um, where Electro does his big attack on like the the little platform that all these people are standing on, and mm-hmm. Spider Man is tumbling backwards while a police car is being thrown at him, and he is in like you know basically spidey time uh so it's bullet time using his spider sense and he is looking at the arcs of electricity as they're traveling up the rail looking for which people are reaching for rails and you can tell that for him time is literally moving in like nanoseconds like time Mm -hmm. is almost completely stopped as he computes what's going on and tries to figure out a solution to get out of this so when gwen stacy is falling it's in slow-mo, but it's not in slow-mo for the audience. It's in slow-mo because that is the speed at which Peter Parker is living through this. So mm-hmm. he is trying to save her, knowing full well she's in super dangerous peril, and there's nothing he can do. Like, he is just reaching, time is stopped, he's in spidey sense, and he catches her, <laughs> but not quite. Like, that is seriously, like, you know, we, we see a lot of movies, and a lot of movies have a lot of death scenes, but there's something about like the combination of like the what that would do to a person's back and the head hitting the pavement like that is one of the most gruesome deaths I've seen in film and I've seen like torture porn style like horror movies you know what I mean um, mm. that I I, don't know, I just think that that scene was like ballsy as hell yeah I, I don't know I, I guess I I think it's ballsy to kill her off of course uh especially because the whole like oh emma stone andrew garfield this love like chemistry is so amazing um but maybe i just didn't think it through the the gruesomeness of it did not dawn on me i thought it was like a fairly in in terms of the difficulty on his character then yes completely agree it felt deep in terms of how like painful was it to watch i didn't think very i mean he yeah. He catches her just a little too late, hits the ground, her body is all clean, you know, there's a little nosebleed, I guess, but for for the most part, I didn't think it was a very grisly death. It was much more psychologically tolling on him, I think. But- yeah, there wasn't, like, some, some uh, grisly, like, back-snapping sound but there, added it, in. But that's the thing, is it, it, it's, it's the... 
it's the impact sound that you get like it, it's it's not vi- like there's not like it's not like a curse splat with like blood flitting everywhere it's just a it's it's one of those like it's it's one of those heavy impacts where like you see it and you know it cuts to andrew garfield and you kind of just like your brain goes wait just, let me process that process that again oh shit like i don't know i thought it was really crazy like mm-hmm. i i'm trying to equate it to something else um I mean, it, it's like, for example, um, spo- spoilers for Les Mis, I guess. <laughs> you, you know, you know the scene where the one guy topples off the bridge. Yeah. And oh yeah. So he falls in the water. You know, falling off a bridge in the water isn't that crazy, but he lands right on that freaking like barrier, right where the water starts to drip over the edge of that little channel, and uh-huh. just the like him falling off a bridge and you know deciding like i can't live because i suck at being a policeman um is in and of itself not that crazy but when his body just goes kerplunk right on that piece of thing and then slowly floats away like that's kind of horrific right Mm -hmm. um this is like that times a bajillion minus the singing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can i guess no no i i can see that i mean when i'm replaying it in my head it's more horrific than i gave it credit for <laughs> i think uh, but again i think the fact that i was primed i knew exactly how she was going to die already yeah, yeah. i knew this was the moment it was going to happen so i didn't i didn't feel the weight of it too much and yeah. i almost you, wonder you if they the were playing as much as she did yeah yeah, yeah exactly as, as much as she did uh and i wonder if they were actually playing playing more for that audience the one who they've assumed has had it spoiled for them <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know i i do think it's ballsy though and i'm glad they did it i was actually afraid they were gonna make her wake up like do a fake out too yeah well that's the thing is like i if if, if she would have woken up i would have just stood up like this movie yeah yeah, it would have been pretty she lame. She better be dead. <laughs> well, especially if you knew the storyline and that she was supposed to die, like that would have been super lame. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, now, all that being said, <sighs> now the downside of that scene, because um, walking out, I was thinking like, it, it, so you, you know the, uh, you know the, that series of like movies in, in three seconds or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, spoilers for Million Dollar Baby. Um, <laughs> so if you're going to watch that movie, then don't pay attention to the next 30 seconds. Uh, but in the like movies in five seconds or three seconds, whatever, version of Million Dollar Baby, it's just uh, Hilary Swank uh, <laughs> going up to Clint Eastwood and going, will you train me? He's like, no. Will you train me? No. Will you train me? No. Will you train me? Yes. Beep. And then like, she's dead. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about what they did here. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we cannot be together and she's like look yeah. peter we can be together and he's like all right dead <laughs> like, yeah exactly that's exactly he's like i love you and then you're dead yeah like it, yeah i mean he really i mean it only happened because he made that freaking i love you web sign on the bridge right, uh, yeah, exactly. really that's what doomed her but it's it, all his fault if, if he would have made that at the bottom of the clock tower everything would be okay <laughs> exactly no, but I think this is good. This is going to give us grief-stricken Spider-Man. It'll give us the Spider-Man 3 we always wanted. But oh, no, here, yes. It's going to be super like, emo. He's going to be here, dancing on tables, talking about pies or whatever. Yes, exactly. Here, here's the Love thing. It. Here's the thing. So earlier you said like you were happy that this was like the exact opposite of the Nolanization of what they could have done with Spider-Man. Yeah. I kind of wish, kind of, kind of, don't like Crucify Me yet. I kind of wish that this film 
ended with Spider-Man going away. Like, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man 3, where they start to like... So, like, it would have made totally sense to me if this death made him, like, actually quit being Spider-Man. Like, retire. Yeah, retire mm-hmm. for theoretically good. And it's not until the Sinister Six come out of the hiding right. in the next film where he really decides, like, you know what? You know, I have this great power. I got to do my great responsibility thing. I should go out and yeah. be Spider-Man again. Like, you know, as, he's out as, for eight years. As, yeah, as emotionally <laughs> satisfying as it is for the little kid to stand up in his Spidey suit at the end as he shows up, like, um, it would... I don't know. I think it would be more impactful if this film ended on a... It ended on the sad note of, like, he... Like knew that he couldn't be with her because he couldn't stand anything happening to her. He allowed himself to be with her. She died just like he feared she would, and he realized that like I, it's too much for me to be Spider-Man. Like I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm out. And then the world just goes to shit and becomes Gotham City essentially because he refuses to stand up for all these ideals that he believes in, and then he has to get over himself and go out and do the right thing yeah i mean the grieving period in the in the movie is very short i mean it is like three or four seasons there's that little montage where it's like yeah it's a little montage yeah 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 Yeah, that's true yeah they they didn't pull a how i met your mother (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean there was definitely a, a a time where you know they had like the little radio news bits saying like we haven't seen spider man in a while yeah where is the spider yeah so maybe that was uh so maybe he did retire for a little bit. They need the newspaper guy on top of a building with like a giant spider light shining it in the sky to bring him back. Exactly, dude. <laughs> totally. I yeah, did, well, I did dude, like uh, Gary Oldman destroyed it with an axe. I did like the little ode to the to the the newspaper guy when he's like sends him the email with the pictures. Like, here's a picture. I think Spider Man's trying to do good, and then he gets the reply. It's just the subject line wrong. All caps. <laughs> <laughs> dude, but if when they finally cast J. Jonah Jameson, like I just. I won't be able to see anyone except J.K. Simmons. Like, he yeah, was yeah. so perfect for that role. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe they'll just recast him. I was thinking. I, I, I still imagined it as him in those emails, definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah I for just sure. him chomping the cigar going like, you're wrong. Um, but yeah. I, I think that... I think that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I'm just uh, I'm just talking. Yeah. So, so you just you, Stephen, were happy that it wasn't all Nolanized. If they yes. would have done that route, would that have been a negative for you? I could not imagine the movie ending on that tone, given the mythos of Spider-Man that they built up throughout the movie of this fun, yeah. quip-making guy. G- given uh, that you'd already seen him attacking the Rhino in the final yes. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I think I'm, I'm glad they made him come back. And I don't think this is going to be the end of it, right? I think in the next movie, they'll have some glimmers of him going to her grave again or missing her again or thinking about this. Yeah. Probably it will echo in the MJ storyline, like his memory of what happened the last time. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll get enough levity without him choosing to leave and then the movie ending. <laughs> I think that would have been too Nolan an ending for a movie like this here's actually one more thing that i almost forgot and i'm glad that i just randomly thought of it while you were saying that uh, not that i wasn't paying attention but uh something you said reminded me of it um i think it was the echoes of something or other but anyways um aunt may there is a scene where you know in, in the scene that i really like that we um talked about earlier in the episode she is talking 
uh, with Peter, and she says a line that's something to the effect of, uh, we all have parts of ourselves that we hide from other people. And she kind of looks up at Peter and gives this like very knowing, or what I read is a very knowing look. Um, yeah, she's supposed to know. I wasn't sure. I, I mean, she's, I, I don't think she's supposed to know as in like we're supposed to know that she knows. Like, sorry, Peter, I don't think is supposed to know that she knows. Uh, but I read that in the film as her knowing and I couldn't figure out why she she wasn't the one because I mean to me if like you know the uncle's passing is what first caused him to become Spider-Man I thought the aunt convincing him once again that he needs to become Spider-Man would have been very poignant and like it it made sense to me like I was waiting for that scene at the end for Mm -hmm. her to be like to sit down and be like look I know like that the reason all my laundry turned red and blue was like, I know that you're Spider-Man. Um, like there's even lines where like he's sitting in, in and like the, they're listening to the news report and it's like, where is Spider-Man? And he's like, I'm going to go in my room and be all emo. And yeah. she, he, he starts walking away. I'm like, Oh, she's finally going to tell him that she knows and have that heart to heart and go like, look like you, like, I know it sucks. Like we all loved Gwen Stacy. Um, but like, you know, if you don't go out there and be Spider-Man, the terrorists win like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't, <laughs> had i couldn't understand why like he the just Rhinos was like win. oh i guess now that i see my dad's briefcase that i'll go out and be spider-man again like i didn't i don't know mm. well hopefully they don't pull like uh what they did in rises where gary oldman was like bruce wayne it's like come on dude you didn't figure that out already <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like... it interesting in, the, in this spider-man universe they've decided it's okay with like pretty much everyone figuring out he's Peter Parker. Like, Gwen Stacy knows, the Green Goblin knows right away. Well, uh, I got they, a sense of that when they were talking about not giving him his blood in that one scene. Right. Like, yeah. hey, buddy. Especially, like, like if you, if, if you are... Okay, so let's pretend that, like, Steven is a superhero. And let's pretend yeah. in some weird universe that uh, when I'm looking at him in a costume and he's talking to me that, like... Just the sheer like, oh my God, it's it's Stephen Man. Um, just, just the, the <laughs> sheer fact that he's in costume makes me not able to hear his voice. If I am being woken up by him trying to talk me awake, and mm-hmm. I can't visually see Stephen in costume, but I can hear his voice, I am immediately gonna go, uh, Stephen, is that you? And then like <laughs> roll over and then go, oh no, it's Batman. You know, like it. it I'm. You, you wake up going... that way every morning, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> At least in my head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems that like, it's one thing to look at a superhero and be like so awestruck by the superhero that you don't recognize his voice. It's another thing to hear the voice first before you get the visual and not be able to place that voice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the suspension of disbelief that uh, superhero movies, including The Dark Knight, have. Right. Even though they tried to make like Christian Bale modify his voice where clearly it's the superhero. Yeah. And we just need to believe somehow that other people they disguise as better for them than it is for the audience. Yeah. That's, that's the thing too is like I can recognize some people's cough. Like mm-hmm. I hear them cough and I go, oh, like that is that was this person versus the other person that's in the room with them. So it's like talking, you can definitely hear that. Yeah. I still think that less people know that he's Spider-Man in this series than in uh, the Raimi movies. Because remember in Spider-Man 2 in the subway scene where his mask oh, yeah, accidentally his mask comes, comes off? off. Yeah. And then like 
all the people on the subway tram were just like, oh my gosh. But also, I I got the impression with that that it was okay because those people don't know who Peter Parker is. No, they didn't know who Peter Parker was, but like the kid comes up and he says like we won't tell or whatever but yeah I mean, but like see see that was there, there's two twofold there there is a the fact that they don't know his real identity so they don't have anywhere to compare it to but two there is this mutual respect for ha- them having their lives just saved by like, yeah not knowing, no, like yeah, I, I, no i mean <laughs> it, it, the scene worked but i'm just i remember someone complained that peter parker took off his mask like way too much in spider-man 2 yeah and like revealed his identity to everybody but uh because i think he also reveals himself to aunt may and to uh harry osborne in that in the in spider-man too if i remember correctly hmm. i don't know I, but, I don't remember yeah yeah i don't remember i just remember he took off his he took off his mask a lot yeah but some I, some people complain but I, I thought it was fine like that Spider-Man 2 is still the best of the Spider-Man movies in my opinion. Yes, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that I mean that's that's my main things I wanted to talk about. Any guys got any last comments? Uh no, I mean I don't think so. No, yeah. I think think I'm all Spider-Man out. You're all spidey out. All right. Yeah. My web my web brand dry. all right well uh yeah i guess uh, we don't have to close the show out because we already did that but uh thank you guys for joining me once again yes thanks for thanks for having us thanks for (laughs) thanks (laughs) i'm thanks for letting me carson too thanks for letting me sling my web (laughs) yeah i didn't want to talk about it it was a little little awkward (laughs) yeah yeah we were doing that during the during the recording but (laughs) But it's good that he did that though because we needed all the tinsel strength of his web to hold up the suspension of the disbelief (laughs) yes all right well thank you guys all for listening and uh we will catch you next time see ya bye (laughs) 